Welcome everybody. Um, you're watching Conversations with God here with DJ Enny, and today I have Pastor David Campbell, and he is pastoring a new church, and um, he'll be starting, when is it, March? March 15th. Yep. So I'm just going to hand it over to him. He's going to be talking about purpose and destiny, such an important topic, and I, I am excited about this topic. So I am just going to hand it over to Pastor David, and he's going to talk a little bit about himself and the new church he'll be starting at, and okay, talk about purpose and destiny. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, well, my name is Dave Campbell, Jr. I currently, right now, am the outreach pastor here at City Church in Binghamton. I'm also the campus pastor uh, Norwich Assembly of God, that is a campus of Binghamton. But God, um, over the last few months, has been kind of directing my wife and I uh, to step out of where we are right now and to step in uh, to a new season, a new opportunity. And starting March 15th, um, I am going to be pastoring a church in Vestal. Uh, the name of that church is Tracy Creek Memorial Church. And I'm very excited because I know that God desires to do uh, mighty things. And oftentimes when we are walking with God and we're, we're growing with God, the season we're coming from always prepares us for the next season. And, you know, a lot of times in our lives when God is leading and guiding us, sometimes when we find ourselves in the current season we're in, you know, sometimes we may have a lot of questions, God, why am I here? And when I have asked God that question myself, the answer I often get to, from the Lord is, be still and know that I'm God. And God has told me time and time and time again that he is the one who is in control. He is sovereign. He is working all things together for our good, for those who are called according to his purposes. So we we are really, really excited to um, be returning to the Vestal area. The Vestal area is where I grew up as a kid. Um, I am sad on the other hand, I'm going to be stepping out of my position in, in Norwich because of the connections I've made with the people up there. They're beautiful people. And I know in time, as I've told them, that God is going to do an incredible work up there. God is going to use that church to touch uh, the, not only the city of Norwich, but Shenango County and, and all that God is doing. But one thing you learn with the Lord is that when the Lord says go, you don't argue. You don't even ask him why. You just go and you step into whatever God's doing. And what I've always found with the Lord is that his blessing and his increase of his kingdom is always preceded by obedience mm -hmm. because God never forces us into anything, but God knocks on the door of our heart. God lays desires before us. And when we are obedient to step into the unknown, even though we don't know all that's going to happen, God gives us glimpses when we step into that, that that's when God's blessing is increased. All of those things are released into our life. So that's just kind of give you guys uh, a little background just where I am currently in my life. Um, I'm married to my wife, Erin. We, we have a beautiful little girl who's a little over a She's year. Um, my, my daughter, that's a whole story for another time. Her birth, her coming is a miracle in itself. And uh, we, we named her Elizabeth because the name Elizabeth means oath or promise of God. And when, when my wife and I went through everything we went through uh, before we had her. Um, and I began to sought the Lord in prayer. What are we to name our daughter? God laid that name on, on my heart because every day when I look at my daughter and I look at her face and I watch her grow, 
I am reminded of God's faithfulness. I am reminded that no matter how I may feel that day, no matter how discouraged I am, that God is faithful to accomplish his purposes. And trust me, if you're in ministry or you've ever been in a position of leadership in ministry, you understand that discouragement comes with the territory, that it's one of the great weapons of the enemy to try to paralyze us, to try to get us to doubt the purposes of God. And at the end of the day, when you look at what discouragement is, it's simply a lie and deception. And when you begin to understand that, it's going to enable you to walk into the things that in your mind are unknown, but to God, they are already they already positioned, they are already designed, and God is simply calling you to walk into something that he is going to equip you with the grace and the power to accomplish. And his timing is always perfect. Like I want, sometimes I want things right now, and that process of waiting is so important. <laughs> and you know that because yes. I know you've spoken on that um, before. You know, we talk about this whole concept of timing in God's kingdom. And I remember uh, there was a minister who no longer uh, is with us. His name is John Paul Jackson. Oh, and know. a lot of people yes. know who John Paul Jackson is. I had a great affinity for this man, for his ministry. He moved uh, mightily in the prophetic. And John Paul Jackson, one of the things he said is one of the most difficult things in our relationship with God is God's timing. It's waiting on the Lord because as human beings, we can only see the here and the now where with the God that we serve, he is omnipresent. He is omniscient. Um, he, he, he is on, he, he just, he knows everything. He's, he's everywhere at all times. And the other thing about God is God exists outside of time. God is the one who created time. So when God sent his son to the earth, Jesus stepped into time and he fully became man. But one of the hardest things for us as human beings, when we look at God's timing, when we look at destiny, it is so hard that a lot of times in our humanity, because our vision is so short-sighted, we think things should happen right now. And God is so, he's so committed to details. Mm -hmm. He's so committed to the very small details of the things that are going to happen. Because when God has a destiny and a plan for our life, that doesn't happen in isolation. And when God has a destiny and a plan for our life, there are going to be people that as we step into different seasons of our destiny, there are going to be people that are going to come alongside us. And before God is going to open us a door to step into the next season, all of those other people too, God is working on. So again, if you find yourself in a season today and you kind of feel like, you're on the airplane that is just constantly circling the runway or you're in the doctor's office and you're waiting to get called in and nothing has happened, understand that waiting is so key. That waiting is there to protect you. That waiting is there to prepare you. And one of the greatest mistakes people make in their journey with Jesus is they step into things that God is not yet calling them to step into. Mm -hmm. Because if God is calling you to step into something, he will equip you, he will empower you, he will give you the resources. And when you do it in God's time, there's not going to be any stress. There's not going to be any effort. You're going to see doors that are open. And when you step into those doors, you are going to feel the grace and the power of God clothe you as if you were wearing a, a mighty garment. You're just, you're going to sense in your heart that you are ministering 
but you're not ministering from yourself. You are ministering that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and the Holy Spirit is speaking through you. The Holy Spirit is ministering through you and the Holy Spirit is touching hearts and lives. That's the biggest thing with walking with the Lord when you are a follower of Christ, that you are a vessel of Almighty God. And what that means, Paul tells us that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And when you look in the Old Testament, the Old Testament was filled with the presence of God. When the priest went in, within the temple, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. And the only one that could go in the Holy of Holies was the high priest. And that was but one time a year on the Day of Atonement. But today, under the covenant that is found with the blood of Jesus, because the blood of Jesus washes away our sins, the Holy Spirit can now come. He can live with inside of us. He takes up residence. And what he actually desires to do is he desires to fill us to overflowing, that we would live from a place of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, and when you become the extension of the hands and the feet of Jesus, that is when the supernatural power of God has the potential to invade the earth. Because the way that God works in the earth is that he works through his sons and his daughters, and it's truly awesome. That is that is incredible, and and what people have to realize too. Sometimes a closed door is of God. You know, sometimes you know you'll think, well, you know, is this of God because the doors are closing, and and you're thinking, well, God, if it's God, why aren't the doors opening? But God sometimes wants to close that door because He has something better for you. You know, it's it's really hard sometimes to figure out. Um, okay, God, is this you? And that's when. Prayer, I think, mm-hmm. comes is becomes so important, don't you think? Yes, yes. I, you know, when you talk about destiny, when you talk about God's plans and purposes, and I and I wanted to read um, as we get into this, I wanted to read this out of Ephesians two, eight through ten, and I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. It says in verse eight, it says, "God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is it is a gift from God." Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Now, here in verse 10 is the important part of kind of where I want to see the discussion go today and and kind of what God has put on my heart today. We talk about destiny. It says in verse 10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. Okay, so, so think about that. In your life, you are God's masterpiece, that you are saved by God's grace. So what does that mean? You being saved by the grace of God means that God chose you. Jesus tells us that no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. Paul tells us that we were chosen before the foundations of the world were even created. So our ability to come to Christ, that it is God who has drawn us, it is God who has grant us repentance. So we are God's masterpiece. We are not created on accident. Nothing is happening by coincidence or by chance with our relationship with Jesus. So it says we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So when we talk about destiny, we talk about purpose. Enid brought up an incredible point about closed doors. And, and, I, and I think there is this misconception in the body of Christ when we talk about prayer. I think a lot of times when people think of prayer, they think that I'm going to pray hard enough and I'm going to say enough good things where God is going to give me what I want. Mm-hmm. And it is such a twisted way of prayer. And that realm of thinking where it actually comes out of is it comes out of paganism. Because when, yes, when you look at paganism and you look at when people used to worship idols, 
they used to do things to try to manipulate the gods that they were serving. Mm, So this pagan mindset that sometimes we bring this into Christianity and it comes from our sinful nature that we think that somehow we can do enough good things or I can pray enough or study God's word enough. And then at the end of the day, God is going to reward me by giving me what I want. And it is such a twisted, self-centered way of thinking. Now, when you think of prayer, you know, I, I often have discussions a lot of times with people about prayer. And what I have learned with the Lord is that if you ask God specific questions, God will give you specific answers. And so when I have gone before the Lord and I have sought him through the study of his word and through prayer, I remember a long time ago as I was struggling in different things, I came across the verse that said that if you lack wisdom in any area, ask of the Lord and he will give it without limit. And so I remember that I was on this whole thing of prayer. I was, I was a young man in my relationship with the Lord. I really wanted to grow in my prayer life. And so I started to ask the Lord just questions about prayer. And one of the things that when I began to ask God about the purpose of prayer, one of the things that God made very, very clear to me is that one of the purposes of prayer that's very important in the life of the believer is intimacy. And what prayer does is prayer prepares you to receive from the Lord what he wants to share with you. Because when we navigate this life in our relationship with Jesus, this is a journey of faith. This is not a journey that I'm walking by what I see or I'm walking by what I hear. It's a journey of faith. And the only way that I can know and discern the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit is in the place of prayer. Because for those of you out there that are watching this or listening to this, who are people of deep prayer, you understand that the deeper that you go in prayer, the clearer the voice of Almighty God becomes. And and again, I don't, for people that may watch this that don't know anything about God, when I talk about the voice of the Lord, what I am not talking about is how I am talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, there have been people who have audibly heard from God, and I'm not going to cast any of that aside. But what I am going to say is how God usually, in this time in history, speaks to us is the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit, everything that God is going to speak to us is going to align with God's word. There is nothing the Spirit of God is ever going to lead us or speak to us about that is outside of God's word. So when we come before the Lord in prayer and we are praying, when you spend that time in prayer, that intimacy with the Lord, that what that does is it supernaturally prepares your heart and your mind to have eyes to see, to have ears to hear, and a heart to understand. And so when you're dealing with closed doors... There are times in our life when we are praying that the will of God be done and God closes a door. And and here's here's the reality of being a Christian. It's not easy and at times it can be very frustrating. Because we can think that, that God is leading us exactly where we think God should lead us. And then all of a sudden a door closes and we can become angry and bitter at Almighty God. And the thing is that every closed door that you have in your life, number one, it's, it's God protecting you. Number two, it's God directing you because when God closes a door, because I remember before I got into ministry, I was involved in the field of education. And um, I'm not going to go into the whole thing today of my testimony, but one of the things that I went through in my life 
For a period of about eight years, I went through some very difficult depression. And when I came out of that depression, I thought I'd ruined God's call on my life. So I went into the field of education because I, I loved working with young people. I wanted to make an impact on young people. So I went into education. Well, my journey into education, when I graduated from SUNY Corlin and then got my master's from Walden University, when I was going for interviews, I remember the way that God started to direct me how to pray that I remember, you know, when I would go into a job at first and the, the whole thing of looking for a job was happening, I would go into a job and I'd say, you know, Lord, I'm just praying you would open this door and that this job would be mine and I'm going to step into it. And I remember I kept praying this way. And then I remember one time when I was praying, the Lord in my prayer time showed me a picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hmm. And, and, and as the Lord began to show me this, I stopped what I was doing and I was paying attention to what God was showing me. And what the Lord showed me was that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' prayer was, not my will, but your will be done. Mm. And he prayed it three times. Now we're talking about the Son of God, that Jesus knew everything he was about to go through uh, with the crucifixion, with Calvary. And, and for me, what I truly believe, what gripped Jesus so strongly I don't think it was the whippings and I don't think it was the nails and I don't think it was the crown of thorns. What I truly believe shook Jesus to his very core was the thought that when he was on the cross, that the sin of the world would be placed upon him and that he would be separated from his father. Because upon the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you notice that is the only time during Jesus' ministry when he's talking to God the Father, he doesn't say, Father, he says, my God. And so when, when I saw Jesus in the garden and he was praying this, I remember I came away from this. And whenever the Lord shows me things, I always ask, you know, ask him pointedly, you know, what are you, what are you trying to teach me? And he said, I'm trying to teach you how to pray. He goes, this is not about you praying what you want. It's not about you asking me what you want. This is about you surrendering to my will and making my will the centerpiece of your life and, and the driving force when you pray. Because the Lord said, and he showed me in his word, that when we pray according to his will in the name of Jesus, that it's going to be accomplished. Because what the blood of Christ does for us is that the authority that Jesus has, that it is placed upon us. And because the authority that Christ has, has been placed upon us, then when we come to the Father in prayer, and our prayers align with the will of God, that there is nothing that can stop the will of Almighty God. I always tell people that the will of God is like a freight train. And the will of God is sovereign, which means it's all-powerful, it's almighty. There's nothing that can change the will of God. And so when the will of God is going forward, I often tell people, you either get on the train or you get ran over. And because the thing about God is, you know, sometimes we we make God out to be our buddy. Like we want to treat Jesus like our buddy. And yes, Jesus is, you know, a close, intimate friend with us. He is our Lord and Savior. But we must also remember that he is God Almighty. And that sometimes I think in our American culture and just how we do some things in the church, that the reverence we have for God is kind of left out. I mean, one of the things I will say is my mother grew up in the Catholic Church. And, you know, there's things in the Catholic Church that I don't agree with. But the one thing that I love about people from a Catholic background is the reverence they have for Almighty God. 
Um, it is just, it's when I've walked in the Catholic churches before and, it, and it, you just, you sense this holy reverence from people. So I, I think it's important for us to understand when we talk about the will of God, when we talk about the plans of God, we need to understand that the person's plan it is, it's not my plan and it's not your plan. This is God Almighty's plan. And, and, and remember what Paul wrote about in Ephesians that we are saved by the grace of God. We are not saved by our works. We're not saved by anything we've done. There is nothing that you're ever going to do in your life that is going to deserve God's salvation. Mm -hmm. It's only a work of God's grace and his, and his mercy. And when you understand that, when you understand that the only way that you've come to salvation is because Almighty God has chosen you and has poured out his mercy upon you, it puts his grace and his will in a whole different light that your heart's desire becomes to live for him. And at the end of the day, that's what God is looking for. When you look at all of the prophets of old, the message all of them preached to the people of Israel is that God didn't want lip service. God wanted the hearts of the people. And, you know, if we were really honest with ourselves today, just in our own lives, we have to ask ourselves, how many times have I simply given God lip service? Yeah. You know, how many times have I just simply gone through the motions to just make it seem like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And it's, it's so important for us that we really slow down, that we understand the God that we're serving and we understand the price that he paid for us. But yes, when we get, when we get to closed doors and, and we talk about destiny and we talk about all these things, it's, it's important that, you know, as, as I sometimes when I get talking, I go a little sideways and all over the site. But just getting back to the story I was telling you about being a teacher, when the Lord began to show me that about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, I began to change the way that I was praying about teaching jobs. That the way that I started to pray was I started to pray, God, I pray that the door that is according to your plan, that that door would be open and that every other door would be closed. Well, the difficult thing that you begin to see that happens in that is that there's a whole lot of doors that begin to close. Mm -hmm. That all of these opportunities that you think could be the right opportunity, all of a sudden those doors close. And, and that can become a very lonely and a very difficult place. But that's why it is so important that when you're waiting on the Lord, when you're walking with him, when you're pursuing the destiny, the plans that God has for you, Prayer is so important because what God is going to do also in the place of prayer is God is going to remind you of his promises. Mm -hmm. God is going to remind you of his faithfulness. This is why the word of God is so vital in our relationship with him. Because God has given us examples throughout his word of time and time again of how God has been faithful. Mm -hmm. One of the things that when my wife and I were waiting on having a daughter and we, we went through failed pregnancy after failed pregnancy and, and, and just this difficult season of our life, God in his word reminded me time and time again of the story of Hannah and the story of Elizabeth. Yeah. And in both of those instances, both of those women went through incredible difficult time of barrenness because culture during that day and, and Middle Eastern culture at that time if a woman was not able to have child children, she was just she was pretty much her value and everything yeah. was nothing. Right. And it was so destructive 
emotionally, spiritually, mentally to women who would go through times of barrenness and, and times of infertility and, and all of these things. And, and in both of these women, they waited on the Lord. And, and the tough thing for Hannah was, Hannah was married to a man who was also married to another woman. And the other woman was not only able to have children, but the other woman would taught Hannah. Hannah. Yeah. And, and through all of this, through all of this pain, there is an incredible lesson that we can learn from the life of Hannah. That Hannah, through all of that pain, did not curse God. She didn't get angry at God. She didn't get bitter at God. She just began to press into prayer. And she got to the point where she said to the Lord that, that this child that you give me, that this child I will give to you. And we know from Hannah that she bore Samuel, who was one of the great prophets of Israel. And then Elizabeth bore John the Baptist, who was the forerunner to Jesus. So when we talk about closed doors, when we talk about God closing a door and not understanding all that God is doing, understand today that if you find yourself where God has closed doors, what I always tell people is, is that if God has closed the door, there is something great that he has ahead for you. And, and there is an incredible deep spiritual work that is going to be done in your heart and your life if you will simply, when God closes a door, that you will simply receive it, mm-hmm. that you will be obedient and you will surrender. Because again, the blessing of the Lord is found in the place of surrender. It's not, it's not found in you trying to work really hard or just trying to somehow manipulate God to give you something. No, the, the, the increase of God, the, the increase of his kingdom, it is all found in the place of surrender. And honestly, for somebody who's gone through that, it, it can be very painful. I'm never going to candy coat Christianity. If, if you're watching this today and you don't know Jesus, in no way am I ever going to tell you that if you come to Christ, everything is going to be roses. You're going to be on the mountaintop every time. You're just going to be able to go to God and he's going to give you whatever you want. That is the health and wealth gospel. It's not according to God's word. Uh, and, and again, I also want to preface this and say that in no way am I not saying that God is not a good God. Because God is, is, God is a great God. He's an awesome God. But like any father who loves their child, that if they see something that is going to destroy their life or take away their relationship with him, God is going to close the door. I always tell people, here's an analogy or an illustration. If I have a 16-year-old son and that son comes to me and says, I want a Porsche or I want a Lamborghini. He just got his driver's license. I'm not going to give him the keys to a Lamborghini and Porsche and say, oh, here you go. I just want to bless you. Because what I know is any of you that have spent time around any teenagers know that if you put a 16-year-old behind the car of a Ferrari or Porsche and they feel the, the strength of that engine, they feel the power at their hands, there's a lot of destruction that could come with that. So just looking at closed doors, just looking at you know our destiny and our purpose with God, understand that closed doors are an essential part in us pursuing our destiny with God. You have to be able to surrender when God closes a door. And I think too many times when God does close a door, we want to argue with him. Mm -hmm. Like somehow we know better than him. And it's so important that we just surrender our hearts to him. And I think it's important to have that sensitivity to know, like, um, like I, I know I've struggled with this myself where I'm thinking um, that door closed. It's, it, and I'm like, 
thinking that it should be open. I'm like, well, that should be God, and, and why isn't it opening? And, and to have that sensitivity and time with God to know that, okay, God's closing that for a reason because he has something better in store. And just and part of that communication is, okay, God, why? I don't get it. I thought that's what you wanted for me. And meanwhile, or I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out, okay, God, where do you want me? Where do you want me? And this door's closing and that door's closing. Hmm. And that's part of him trying to show you, well, I'm closing that door because I'm guiding you. You're thinking that this you you're thinking, like I'm thinking this is the way he wants me to go, but it's actually he wants me to go this way, and the doors keep closing and closing. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I that's the way you want me to go, God. And and he's saying, no, no, I got something better on this side. It's this way that I want you to go. And if he doesn't shut the door, I'll just end up going in the wrong direction. So he's trying to guide me. I'm asking him to guide me and I'm not listening. I'm yes. not paying attention to the fact that he's showing me this yes. is where I want you to go. And he's trying to help you. And, and that's the beauty of God is that sometimes we think we know what's best for ourselves yep. and we don't. You know, it's kind of like a little baby that wants to touch the fire because it's beautiful. You know to take their hand off and say no, but they're thinking, it's beautiful. It looks good to me. And mm. so it's the same thing. And and I love the way Pastor Joe put it one time. He talked about puzzle pieces. Mm. You know, and we're we're trying to force these pieces in places where they don't belong, thinking it should go here because it should. This is where it should go. And God has the box. He has the box and he's just kind of like when you're doing a puzzle and you're looking at that box to, to know that, okay, the blue goes here and, and we don't have the box, but God has the box. So we're trying to shove pieces where they really don't belong. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And, and the thing is, a big part of this journey with the Lord is you, you, we need to remember that the one we're in relationship with is Almighty God. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and the way that he is going to speak to us, the way that he is going to reveal things are ways that we're going to understand. And I remember as a young man, um, I think I was 18 years old and I was, I, I was curious as to, you know, I knew that God was doing a work in my life, that he was leading me somewhere. And I, and I wanted to see the whole picture. I wanted to see all the things that God was going to do. And I remember that as I sat back and I began to meditate on that, the Lord just began to say to me that if he showed us everything, number one, it would terrify us. <laughs> number two, we would try to take matters into our own hands. We would screw it up royally. Because a big part of when we talk about our destiny with God, it's not only about where God is leading you. It's the person he is transforming you to be. Because sometimes we forget that when God created Adam and Eve, they were created perfect. And then when they sinned, the very nature within them changed. The nature within them went from being God-centered to self-centered. And so when we are born into this world, that fallen nature that is found in Adam, that's in every single one of us. You know, people always make the joke, the one thing that you don't have to teach a child how to do is be selfish. Mm, you have to teach true. children how to, how to share but you don't have to teach a child how to be selfish. And all of us, if we were really honest with ourselves, if you're not even a believer in God and you took the law of God and you examine the law of God against your own life, you would see how, how short you have fallen. I mean, and, and sometimes people 
have a misconception of the law of God. They think that if I'm going to follow God, I have to follow all of these rules to be a good person. Mm -hmm. That's not Christianity. Because when you come to God, when you come to Jesus through faith, the perfection on Jesus is placed on you. So when God the Father looks at you after you place faith in Jesus, he sees the righteousness and the perfection of who his son is. But there is a, there is a journey, there is a, a work that in Christianity we call sanctification. And this sanctification process, or to simplify it for those of you that don't understand big terms, the term sanctification, what it simply means is you're becoming more like Christ every single day. That through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, the Holy Spirit is supernaturally transforming you. He's changing your desires. He's changing the way you think. He's changing the way you see things. And the nature of Christ, of who the Lord is, is being formed within you. And, and so when we talk about destiny, when we talk about plan and purpose, understand it's not only the place, destination that God is leading you, but it's also the process that God is, uh, is transforming you into the person that you're becoming. And understand all of these closed doors, all of these disappointments we have in our lives, all of this discouragement that we face, all of it has a, has a divine purpose in God's plan. Understand that with Jesus, nothing is wasted. When you walk with Christ, when you go through things, when you go through struggles, when you go through trials, all of it has a purpose. All of it. None of it is wasted. And that's why James talks about, count it all joy, my brothers, when you go through trials of various kinds. Because through those trials, what is being produced within you is the character and the nature of who Christ is. It's, it's maturity. Because when you come to Jesus as a brand new believer, spiritually, you are immature. Mm -hmm. But then as you walk with God, as you trust him through the process, there is a maturation that is happening. There is a deep work that is happening in your life. And, and, and Enid brought up a great illustration with all the puzzle pieces. When, when we look at our life, you look at your life, you're looking at one puzzle piece at a time. Mm -hmm. When God looks at your life, he sees everything for the whole puzzle. So he knows where every piece is going to go. So that's why when you're looking at one puzzle piece at one time, when, you, when it goes somewhere that you don't think it should go or it doesn't turn out to be the thing that you think it should turn out to be, that's when you have to surrender to the Lord and you have to say, not my will, but your will be done. Because this journey of walking with the Lord, this journey of faith, again, is all about surrendering to God. Because if, if you're watching this today and you are a follower of Jesus, understand that God has a divine purpose for your life, that God has a plan for your life, that you're not created on accident. You're not chosen on accident. God knew you before the foundations of the world, that he chose you. He looked upon you. He lavished his grace upon you. And so in those moments, when you look at your life and you think that somehow you've screwed up your life or somehow you're at a place where you shouldn't be, and you just think that you're outside the plan of God and somehow you've screwed it up, you need to understand that God's grace and his power is far greater than you understand. Mm -hmm. That even if you have royally screwed up your life and somehow you've gotten yourself off track, 
that as you begin to seek the Lord on a daily basis, God through his power, God through his grace, can change all of the circumstances around you and bring to pass his, his, his plans and his purpose. Because for me, one of the things when I went through um, incredible depression, I thought I had ruined God's plan for my life. I thought I had derailed God's plan. I thought nothing was ever going to happen. And through that whole experience, the Lord showed me that in those times when I felt I was lost or I'd screwed it up, the Lord showed me the entire time his hand was upon me and that his grace, his power is far greater than anything we will understand. Because again, when you are in Christ, understand that you're a child of God, mm-hmm. that, that God has chosen you, that God has called you, that God has lavished his love upon you and God surrounds you. And, and so many times when we are discouraged, when we are filled with doubt, when we are filled with depression, we can think that we've royally screwed things up, but we need to know in our heart that God is, is so in control. And if we will just simply seek him and we will draw near to him, that he will draw near to us and that we will find him and he will lead and guide us. What would you say to the person that's listening that maybe doesn't have a relationship with Christ, but is dealing with depression and they don't understand this um, whole thing about, well, why would I, you know, what, how do they deal with that depression? And what would you say to that person that's depressed and just doesn't have a relationship at all and doesn't understand this whole thing? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good question because um, we live in a day and age where a lot of people deal with depression. Um, especially people who don't have any relationship with God um, are struggling with depression on so many different levels. And one of the things that I would say to someone who is uh, struggling with depression, who does not have a relationship with God, who does not know Jesus Christ, is understand that God is the one who has created you, that God has created you in his image. And the only way that you're going to find wholeness the only way that you're going to find healing, the only way that you're going to find uh, to be set free from depression is placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because when you look at the way that God has created a person, you know, you're, we are a three-part individual. We are body, soul, and spirit. And, and when you look at the medical, medical community and the way that psychology and psychiatry uh, deals with depression, what they look to um, kind of medicate the individual is they look at the physical, they look at the mental, but they don't look at the spiritual. And th- the whole thing about it is when we look at depression, there is a, a, a real spiritual component of depression. Mm-hmm. And until that is dealt with through drawing near to Jesus, through bringing the depression to Jesus through bringing all things to God in prayer until that happens. If you're just trying to deal with depression through medication or, you know, whatever, but without dealing with the spiritual, you are missing a whole aspect of it. And again, with dealing with mental illness, there is a place for medication. There is a place and there should be a place for strong biblical Christian counseling. Because if you are somebody who is struggling with mental illness, you need to be in good, strong biblical counseling, Christian counseling. And the reason I I say it needs to be Christian counseling, because if you're going to counseling, 
but it's not Bible-based. What you're going to be being told is humanistic philosophy that is based on human wisdom. And if you want to move beyond depression, the only way you can do that is through the wisdom that is found in God. It is only the truth that is found in God's word. Jesus said that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That for those of you that don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't know God, understand that the person that people know as the devil, that he is real. And the way that Satan keeps people in bondage, especially with depression, is through lies and deception. And the only way that you can cut through all of the lies and deception is through the truth of God's word. When you begin to establish a relationship with Almighty God, and then you begin to bring all things before him in prayer, you begin to read his word, you, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you let the Holy Spirit have his way, it's the Lord who is going to lead you out of that into a place of freedom and deliverance. And, and I know of people today who have been in bondage to depression for years upon years upon years. And for me personally, I went through eight years of depression in which I never thought I was going to come out of it. But God in his grace, God brought me out of it. And today I'm not on any, any depressive medication or any of that stuff. Now, do I still deal with discouragement? Yes, I do. Do I still deal with uh, condemning thoughts? Yes, I do. But what I've come to recognize in my life is where those thoughts are coming from and to understand that my hope and my salvation is found in Jesus alone. And again, when we talk about destiny, when we talk about purpose, this is a huge part of it because one of the things that the devil, that Satan is always going to do is Satan is always going to come to people and tell them, you've screwed up your life. Your life is never going to change. Nobody cares about you. Nobody loves you. And all of it is a lie because God loves you. God has a plan and God just desires to wrap his arms around you. But what needs to happen is, is you need to bring your life to almighty God. You need to give him your life, and you need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. Now, what would you say to the person that is dealing with drugs and alcohol and feels like their life is kind of a mess, like they can't, uh, their destiny and purpose, kind of like you were saying yep. earlier, is, is a mess? What would you say to them? Yeah, and, and you know, you have to understand about destiny and purpose. What what shapes the course of your life is decisions and choices. So I think one of the things that young people really fail to understand is how the choices that they're making today are going to have profound consequences and impact on their life as they become adults. I mean, for all of us who were teenagers at some point, when you're a teenager, you think I'm invincible. You think that I can go and party and I can do all these things and no matter how bad people tell me it's going to be, nothing's ever going to impact my life. And so in the culture that we have today uh, with the prevalence of addiction, the prevalence of drugs, I mean, it, 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 it amazes me today uh, with how many people are struggling with addiction. Mm -hmm. um, addiction is, is a problem that touches every aspect of our society. It doesn't mean, it doesn't matter if you're rich, it doesn't matter if you're poor, it doesn't matter if you're black, brown, white, it doesn't matter any of those things. Because if you open the door to drugs and alcohol, 
addiction will find you. And so what often happens to somebody who is in the cycle of addiction is often the way it plays out in somebody's heart and mind is when somebody is battling with addiction and they get to a point and they look at the drugs, they look at the alcohol, they look at all these things and they're like, this stuff is destroying my life. This stuff is taking control of my life and I got to get away from this stuff. Then all of a sudden, not only the, uh, the cravings of the drugs and everything come in, but then all of a sudden the hopelessness comes in and the enemy begins to remind you of all of the shame, all of the mistakes, all of the people that you've hurt in your life. And you get into this cycle with drugs where you try to get off of drugs and then the cravings come and then the hopelessness. And then all of a sudden you try to self-medicate and it's just this constant cycle. And, and every time you're engaging in these type of activities, and again, addiction and the destructive nature of addiction doesn't have to be just drugs and alcohol. I mean, there's, there's people that struggle with pornography. There's people that struggle with uh, sexual addiction. There's people that struggle with food addiction, gambling. I mean, you name it. Any, any vice in your life that is destructive can become an addiction. So what happens is, is when you get into these cycles of addiction and you want to move forward in your life and you want to move past them and you, and you want to move towards purpose, the, the, the voices and the thoughts of hopelessness and everything else they just come in like a mighty flood and you just get to the point where you just like, you know, why does it even matter? You know, I'm never going to change my life. Nothing's ever going to change. I'm just going to be stuck in this place. And then ultimately, sadly, what happens for a lot of people is suicide because the reason a lot of people, and, and when I went through a lot of the depression, I went through thinking that I had ruined God's plan and, and purpose in my life suicide came in, the thoughts of suicide came in because I thought there was no hope. I thought nothing was ever going to change. I was going to be in this place. So if I'm going to be in this place and I'm going to be hopeless and there's going to be all this pain, then why does it even matter if I'm alive? Why, why does any of this even matter? And so when at the time when I was going through all of that, I didn't understand why I was going through it. But looking back on it now and seeing the people that I've had a chance to minister to, I understand now why, because you can't really minister to someone or you can't have compassion for someone unless you've walked in their shoes. And so to the person that I would say that is struggling with addiction today, uh, drugs and alcohol, I'm always going to say this and I'm going to sound like a broken record. Your only answer is Jesus. I, I don't care how much you try to fix your life in your own power and your own strength. It's not going to happen because what you're going to always be doing is you're just always going to be just trying to stay in an even keel. But God doesn't want you to just stay in an even keel. God wants you to move beyond the addiction and God wants you to become the person that he's called you to be. And understand that with all of this addiction, with all of these choices that you made in, the, in your life that maybe you're not proud of, understand that God's grace and his love is greater. Mm -hmm. It says in God's word where sin abounds, God's grace abounds even more. And the supernatural power of almighty God is greater than the mistakes that you've made in your life. But, but the first step in you pursuing the purpose, the plan that God has for you, the destiny that God has for you, the first step is turning your life over to Jesus. 
And then from there, uh, you need to find a great church to be a part of. I mean, here at City Church, if you're if you're in Binghamton, City Church is a great church. God is doing amazing things. You need to be involved in a, in a great church. You need to be involved in healthy Christian fellowship. You need to be in, involved in the study of God's word and prayer. Um, and also, again, biblical counseling. Biblical counseling is so important because your greatest battles when you're coming out of addiction, besides the, the physical cravings your body's going through, is the things that are going on in your mind. And until you deal with that, with the truth of God's word, and, and, right, and allowing people to come alongside you and to support you and to speak life into you, you're going to struggle if you try to do this on your own. And the other thing I will say to you is, God is not calling you to fight this battle on your own. God is calling you to place your trust in him, to rely on him, to follow him, and to allow him to lead and guide you to the destiny and the purpose he has for you. Because again, if you are in Christ today or you're somebody who feels like God is drawing you, you're not here by accident. Things that are happening in your life are not by coincidence. They're not by chance. And that is one of the great lies of the world. The great lies of the world today is that these things are happening by chance. These things are happening by accident. And when you are in Christ, when you're a brand new creation, everything that is happening in your life is happening by the divine hand of God. Mm-hmm. So so th- today I just, I hope especially anybody is watching this who is struggling with addiction or shame or whatever it may be, understand God hasn't given up on you and God's hand and God still desires to do a mighty thing in your life. And he'll take all those things, he'll turn it around and he'll use all those things for his glory and his good and, and you'll be strengthened from it in the long run. Yes. I think that um, is amazing. Now, if there's somebody that's listening out there that would like a relationship with, with Christ um, and would like that, never had a relationship with Christ, but is like, well, you know, I'd like that. What, how do you, what would you tell them? How would they start? Well, the relationship with Jesus, uh, honestly, uh, the Lord says in his word that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, that Jesus is Lord, that we're saved. So if you're there today and you're, you're listening to this now or in the future and you don't know Jesus Christ, you look at your life, you feel hopeless, you know that you need God. Today, right now where you are, I, I'd simply tell you to begin by saying to Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm asking you today to forgive me of my sin and be my Lord and my Savior. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need a Savior. And I believe in my heart and I confess in my mouth that you are almighty God. And if that's you today and you've done that today, then you have become born again. Because the moment a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, that they are born again. Now, this is the beginning of your journey. Mm-hmm. This isn't like, you know, a get out of jail free card and monopoly. This is, this is the beginning of your journey with God. And that's why I say, number one, it's important to find a really healthy church. Number two, you need to pray. And prayer is just simply a conversation with you and God. And what I would encourage you is, is that in the Gospels, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. And the Lord in there gives a model of how we are to pray. And it doesn't mean we just recite it word for word every time, but it kind of gives you an outline of a way to learn how to pray. 
Number three, the Word of God. If you have a smartphone, okay, if you have one of these, there's an app called Uversion. There's a lot of different apps, but there's an app called Uversion. You can get your Bible right on your phone. It's a Uversion app. You can download it from your store. It has devotionals on there. It has uh, reading plans. It has all those other things. And again, if you're somebody that's come to Christ today, I would encourage you, send Enid a message. Let her know that I was watching your show and I came to Jesus today. Or if you're on the other side of the world and there's a pastor that lives near you or a church, go to that church and tell those people, I've come to Christ. I now have a relationship with Jesus. Please help me to grow in my relationship with Jesus. But again, your, your salvation with Jesus, it's not based on good works. It's not based on trying to follow a bunch of rules. It's based on a relationship with Almighty God. And the more that you grow in that relationship with Jesus, the more that God is going to change your life. Amen. And, and if you totally don't believe anything that we're talking about, just start asking God yourself. Ask God, you know, God, show me. Is this truth? Is this um, this whole thing about Jesus? Is he really the son of God? Just start talking to God and ask him yourself. He'll show you. He'll bring people in your life. It's amazing. God does amazing things. So just if you're, if you don't, if you're not sure about giving your life to Christ and you're, the whole thing is a little bit foreign to you, start talking to God. He'll show you, he'll direct you, he'll bring things in your path and you, and, and start paying attention and you'll see, you'll see for yourself. Um, would you pray for? Yes. And I, and I just had, I just wanted to give one quick challenge and then I'm going to pray uh, today, but I'll say this. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, I would just simply, when you're by yourself, just simply say out loud, Jesus, if you're real, show me. Mm-hmm. That would be my challenge to you mm-hmm. because he is still alive today. He is at the right hand of the Father. And it says in God's word that those who draw near to me, I will draw near to them. So if you don't know Jesus today, if you think all we're saying is a bunch of malarkey, that would be my challenge to you. So I want to close this in a time of uh, a prayer. I want to pray for you today and thank you for joining us. So Father, Uh, Today, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for the show. I thank you for Enid. I thank you, Father God, for those that are listening today. And Father, I pray especially for anyone uh, who is listening today who does not know you, Father, who's made the decision to to follow you as Lord and Savior, that Father God, that the seeds plant in their hearts today, that you would lead and guide them, protect and watch over them. Father, lead and guide them to a strong, healthy church. And Lord, today, for those that are struggling with the destiny, the plan that you have for them, Father, today, may they know that if they will just simply seek you, Lord God, that you will lead and guide them in the way that they will go. But Father, today, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Father God, for what you're doing in the earth today. And we pray all of this, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. This is Conversations with God with Enid and Pastor David Campbell. Thank you. See you next week. God bless you.